This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell and I'm with you for the next half an hour or so. Later in the programme, we hear about a new website promoting the South East region as a place to live, work and invest, and which the five local authorities in this region, those of Kilkenny, Carlow, Waterford, Wexford and Tipperary, hope will play a key role in spreading the good news about the South East to industry and investors. This weekend sees subtitled Film Festival in full swing in Kilkenny. We'll be talking to Richard Cook, the man behind this festival, and also about the cat laughs and Kilkenomics. What is the business behind festivals? But first, since the Whitfield Clinic was purchased by UPMC in 2018, its profile has grown steadily in this area. Most recently, the healthcare company announced a 10-year naming rights sponsorship with Kilkenny GAA for Nolan Park, which is now to be known as UPMC Nolan Park. Earlier in the week, I was joined in studio by Claire Phelan, Head of Operations at UPMC Whitfield, and Kilkenny man David Byrne, Senior Vice President of UPMC International and Ireland Country Manager for the company. I started by asking him about the transaction which saw UPMC purchasing the Whitfield Clinic. Yeah, the transaction um, closed in May 2018, so it was a six-month process. Um, Whitfield Clinic had been in receivership since 2011 and in ownership by uh, Goldman Sachs. Um, So UPMC have been providing radiotherapy services in the southeast for nearly 13 years now as a partner with the HSE for all patients in the southeast. And uh, they were a tenant of uh, Whitfield Clinic on site in Waterford and um, knew that the hospital was available um, through a transaction that Goldman Sachs had started. Um, I had just joined UPMC, uh, put a plan together to see if UPMC would be interested in uh, investing further in Irish healthcare. Um, So UPMC board agreed. We went through the transaction process. It lasted six to eight months. Um, and uh, that transaction closed May 2018. Um, so now when you drive in the gates of Whitfield Clinic, now UPMC Whitfield, um, everything is owned by UPMC, a not-for-profit US health system based out of Pennsylvania. Um, and the UPMC stands for? University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Um, it's an academic medical center. Uh, by that I mean that it is affiliated with the University of Pittsburgh, uh, we do not have investors. Um, we are a not-for-profit. Um, we are, um, I suppose, long-term partners for health systems worldwide. Um, so UPMC Whitfield is now in 100% ownership of that system and uh, will not be sold. And we will remain long-term partners of the Southeast and of Irish healthcare, just like we've been for the last 13 years. We aim to be here for the next 25 years. And Claire, uh, you're Head of Operations with UPMC Whitfield. Can you give us a, an idea of the, the breadth of the operations uh, involved? I suppose since the <coughs> since the, invest- the investment last year with UPMC and taking over uh, the hospital, it's been such a fast year. We're really starting to grow our footprint in Ireland. So not only have we got UPMC Whitfield Hospital in Waterford, we've also opened up our outreach clinic in Carlow. We have, um, we're doing a joint venture on radiotherapy with the Bonds in Cork. And we've recently just um, acquired uh, Clean, Ho- Clean General Hospital, which is now UPMC Kildare Hospital. 
So in terms of the Irish operation, it's growing by the day. Um, so it's very, very exciting. Um, it's great to be part of the journey and the growth. Um, and it's just opening up so many possibilities for experiences. And um, our headcount has just grown massively as well. So in terms of scalability, we're moving quite quickly. So as an operation, we're just trying to steady the ship as much as we possibly can to um, ensure that we still provide a very um, you know, good service to our patients. Uh, we're very invested in providing a differentiated healthcare service to all our patients. And I think it's fantastic. The growth has really been phenomenal because our ethos is all about providing healthcare closer to home. And I think with the um, introduction of all our different operations across Ireland, we've started to open up that uh, network across, I suppose, really the southeast and um, up into Kildare now, which is brilliant. And the UPMC name very much to the fore in recent weeks in the news, or rather the sports news, um, with the uh, deal with Kilkenny GA to uh, name Nolan Park UPMC Nolan Park. What what was behind the decision to invest in that relationship? Um, might be something to do with the fact that I'm a Kilkenny man, John, um, and the fact that we have a a very long term um, health system now investing in healthcare in the southeast. So. A large part of what UPMC do is to invest in the community, like Claire said, looking to treat patients close to home. And that means that we work with the communities, we invest in the community, and as we all know, the GAA countrywide and nationwide um, is very vested in the community. Um, So uh, I had a conversation with um, the the finance team and Barry Hickey and Kilkenny GAA. It was something that they were considering, the renaming of Nolan Park. We had a discussion, a very quick discussion. I know the team and they know me, a very good relationship. And um, we've agreed a 10-year term. So we believe this is a fantastic mix. Um, It's something that uh, UPMC will continue to invest in over the 10 years. Uh, We will develop various initiatives around health and well-being. Um, We will work with uh, Nolan Park and the the team in there who are very progressive. And we look forward to being some exciting announcements over the coming months and years. Yeah, now, um, in recent weeks, we've done a lot of talk on this programme about the Amplitude Conference. And David, you spoke at the Amplitude uh, Conference. Um, The theme of that conference, of course, was disruptive technology. And technology playing an increasing part in the whole health service. Can you tell us a bit about that yeah. and, the, and the, uh, you know, the role of technology in UPMC? Yeah, well, UPMC um, are an integrated financial delivery system, <laughs> along with the fact that we're an academic medical centre. So, I mean, what we have is over 10 years, um, UPMC have invested very, very heavily in uh, technology, innovative technology. about, And it's all about how to deliver healthcare efficiently, safely, and to be able to measure the clinical outcomes. But more importantly as well, is about investing in future of healthcare. And we hear a lot about wearables, and we hear a lot about um, electronic health records, and we everybody has big plans. But sometimes it's just the practical solutions that deliver the best uh, outcomes for our patients. So at UPMC in Whitfield, and now UPMC Kildare, and our growing footprint in Ireland, what we're concentrating on is taking the administrative burden out of healthcare delivery. So as a patient, improving the patient <coughs> engagement and the patient experience. So can we digitize communication, digitize education with the patient before they arrive to the hospital? And as they're in the hospital, present information very clearly um, through some uh, digital technologies and then on discharge, digital discharge, digital rehab programs and be able to contact the caregivers very easily. Equally, administration in the health system, as we know in Ireland, is very burdensome. 
So everything in healthcare involves administration, and we're looking to digitize the administration process. And what we believe, and it's been proven uh, through many, many research studies in University of Pittsburgh, through the experience we have in Pennsylvania, is that if you digitize the patient engagement platform, if you digitize the administration platform and be able to measure your clinical outcomes, the patient does better because mm. of the easy communication. So it's a quite simple approach, really, is look at the practical solutions of healthcare, practical problems and be able to deliver that through digitization and it's something we've been working on since um, UPMC acquired uh, Whitfield um, uh, the last 18 months and uh, we have a number of projects ongoing in the hospital and we're looking to actually the first of those projects is going live the 6th of January Um, and that's going to be something that will be transformative and um, I think the team that we have in Whitfield the staff that we have in Whitfield have been hugely engaged in this project because um, you know We've had a lot of change over the years at Whitfield and, you know, change is good and uh, particularly when we have an innovative set of staff and team of staff and they're able to deliver on these projects, the patients will benefit. And Claire, uh, you're head of operations, <coughs> as we've mentioned. Is that change a huge uh, challenge to keeping the show on the road while you're engaged in such a, uh, an enormous level of change with technology? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a, it has to be a very collaborative process. Uh, so depending on what vendor you're working with, it's really important that you get the balance with your clinical and your operational specialist then working with the vendors. It's definitely a journey. It's very important that um, you know we, we make it very clear to our vendors when they come in, we're the experts of our business and the only way we will get this across the line in terms of this digital transformation is by working collaboratively and they have to listen to us as much as we have to work with them. I think the digital um, digital transformation in healthcare, like it's well known that you know we're kind of at the, the back foot of it, but definitely from a UPMC perspective, we want to lead the way with this transformation, but it's all about getting the balance. Um, so looking at our patients, it has to be about value-based care and we definitely want to make sure that while we're bringing in all these digital transformations that we balance it with the human as well. So it's about just wrapping around the digital transformation on your patient care pathways and how they work through your hospital. So as a team, we have to work really, really hard about de- determining what they are because, you know, healthcare is... a in terms of just even a campus, the hospital campus, it's quite complicated and you've got different systems for different departments. So it's about just streamlining the whole process. And as David said, really important to just keep things simple. As a team, we have to be creative and we have to be curious and we always have to challenge why we do things in a certain way. And the most exciting thing I think for me come January will be with our workforce the to be able to use the digital transformation to engage with our patients before they come to our hospital and it's all about redeploying then that workforce across the hospital so that they're, they're, they're there to welcome patients look at patients in the eye and make sure that they've got that five-star experience that we're always aiming to deliver and i suppose uh, the irdg which is a representative body across sectors is is a is an assistance and support and not allowing you to draw on other sectors can you tell us about the irdg and what does that stand for um so it's the irish research development group and we i became a member of that a couple of months ago i think we recognize that uh, you know it's it's you have to open up your horizons a little bit and as a, as a, i suppose an organization they're not for profit also and they've got quite a mix of companies and industries in it so it just opens up your 
horizons in terms of what the capabilities are. So we were very fortunate to be invited to speak at their conference in October um, and it was lovely to get the opportunity because I think I, I attend a lot of conferences and you, there is always a, a notable gap uh, from a healthcare provider. They're never represented, they're never on the stage. So it was lovely to get that opportunity to talk to people about our digital journey. I think, um, you know, being able to go to those conferences and uh, they do a lot of workshops and uh, they do a lot of um, kind of like creative based workshops. So it's great to be able to open up that to our team as well, just to challenge our thought process um, and get us out of the healthcare uh, focus as well. And just to see what else we could do to bring in to complement our day to day. I think Claire is right because um, delivering healthcare, healthcare is a service. And like many other industries in Ireland, um, you know, we have to look at how we can improve our service. And, and you know, that's something that we work very hard at at, at UPMC. And, uh, you know, as an Irish team running an Irish hospital and now an Irish growing hospital footprint, um, what we want to do is collaborate with Irish partners. And the IRDG gives us that opportunity. Uh, we were the one's first significant healthcare partner to join uh, that group. Um, as you said, we spoke at Amplitude. It's about getting the message out. And when you when you engage with um, you know the southeast and engage with um, uh, companies that are very interested in developing the southeast as a region, well then when we can come together as partners, we can have extra strength. You know, just strength in partnership. And we all have an interest in the southeast, um, southeast health services, working with um, the public system, working with um, providers and caregivers. And what we have to do as you. PMC, we're looking to be the gel that can pull that together. How can we improve Southeast Health Services for the patients in the Southeast? Keep the patients in the Southeast. And if we work with partners of like-minded um, uh, teams, and um, we will do that over the coming years. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie. David Byrne and Claire Phelan there talking about UPMC Whitfield based in Waterford and following on from that discussion about the importance of the southeast as a region I've got joining me on the line Alan Quirk who's director of Ireland's Southeast Development Office which is an organisation constructed or convened I suppose is a better word by the five county councils in the southeast Alan you're very welcome tell us before we talk about your new website about the work of the southeast development office well, John, as you say, I suppose it's an initiative of the five county councils, that's Carlow, Kilkenny, Wexford, Waterford and Tip. And what we're aim- we aim to do is to promote the South East as a place of choice to live, work and invest. And the, um, the reasons for living, working and investing are pretty compelling when I look at your new website. Uh, just refresh our memories. Okay, well, look, we've recently launched a new website. It's irelandsoutheast.com. Um, the main audience is around investors and professionals, just to learn more about the region. Because I think there's probably a good understanding of the affordability and quality of life here. Um, what's probably less well-known are the likes of the opportunities, benefits for businesses and professionals. And the region is almost 600,000 people. So we believe there is a, a kind of compelling story. Um, and what we've sought to do in the website is to offer practical information, case studies of successful businesses and professionals in the region, the likes of companies like in Kilkenny and Carlow, the Taxbacks, Keenan's, Cartoon Saloons and Biotanics. So I think there is a kind of a, a dynamic story to be told that's underneath and probably not that visible to, to outsiders and even within the region itself. And uh, how is the regional message being received? Um, we talk a lot about the lack of cooperation, but this is a good example of cooperation. How's it going? 
Yeah, so it's quite a it's quite a recent initiative, and personally, even taking off my regional hat, I think it's it's really important because well, obviously it'll be all to play for 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 the counties, but I think scaling it up to a regional level really shows scale, which is really important to both the investor and equally important important to professionals if they want to come and live and work in the region. So our message to them is that yes, there's definitely differences between the the counties, and the counties are important. But the fact for a professional that they can maybe work in in Kilkenny and then move to the next stage of their career in Waterford or Wexford, it ha- it, the region actually offers that element of scale to them that's important and shows the, the groupings of companies that are available for them to move throughout their career. And people probably live more regional lives than they realise because people living in Carlow working in Kilkenny or living in Kilkenny and working in Waterford, it's not a rarity these days. No, no, that's the reality. And kind of the story that, that we're telling is that it actually is quite compact, that most of the urban centres are probably within 45 minutes of each other. So you can have the quality of life, you can have the career, and then you can move between the, the, the different places as well and, and, and enjoy the benefits of each place in a way that you probably, if you're stuck in traffic on the M50 or, or, or uh, travelling in from, from outside of Dublin all the time, it's probably a, a, a little bit more difficult. So um, it's a lovely website, looks really well, um, makes one appreciate the, the, the good fortune we have living in the southeast. What do you want people to do with it now? Um, I suppose our aim is trying to, to build a community of people in the region who can actually talk about the region positively and engage constructively with it. Um, to tell the story that they're actually underneath the, the hood of the, of, the, of the engine to show that there actually is dynamic stuff going on here, that there are really good companies going on here, that there are investment opportunities and there's also a path for, for professionals as well. So basically we just want people to engage with us, um, to, to share it, to reach out to, to kind of their networks as well, both internally and equally important externally outside of the region as well to really push it. I think we want it for it to be used by companies in the region to really showcase what the, what, what the region offers as well. So I think it's a useful resource for people and we really want people just to, to buy into it, to have a look at it and then to see how, how they can share it. Okay, Alan, thank you very much. That's Alan Quirk, who's Director of the Ireland Southeast Development Office, talking to us about their new website, which is irelandsoutheast.com. Do check it out. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Now, if you look at the irelandsoutheast.com website, one of the factors that the southeast is proudest of in terms of offering a fantastic quality of life is the abundance of festivals and events available to people in the southeast. Over 52 of them mentioned on the southeast uh, website, irelandsoutheast.com. Now, in Kilkenny, the man credited with leading the charge in developing festivals over the last 25 years is Richard Cook, who runs the Catlaughs Comedy Festival Kilconomics, which just finished in early November, and Subtitle, which is in full swing this weekend. Between film screenings and cast meetings at Subtitle, I managed to catch up with Richard Cook and I asked him about the business of festivals. It's very difficult. I'm not, uh, I won't lie to you. It is very difficult. I mean, I do them because I love them and I've always done it that way. I always approached each festival that I'm involved with um, as a sort of passion project. Uh, 
There was a time, certainly back in the day, when Cat Laughs was commercially much easier um, in the sense that there was a lot of sponsorship around. There was a phenomenal number of ticket sales. It sort of heralded the beginning of the summer in a way. But now there's massive amounts of competition, not just in comedy, but in arts festivals and festivals generally. So that May or June bank holiday weekend is just not as uh, open as it once was, very competitive. That makes it difficult. I think one of the things that we've done in Cat Laughs, taking each festival... Uh, separately is that we've um, had a very good relationship with our audience I think not filming the event not doing awards at the event not making it competitive um, focusing on very good comics we've have a kind of a brand loyalty that stood to us because even in the height of the recession we were still doing reasonable numbers at the box office so we would dip maybe to 220 to 30,000 at the box office and that's just about squeaky squeaky getting through time with a bit of support from a from a, a drinks company uh, which would give us pouring rights, uh, fee for pouring rights. Uh, outside of that, sponsorship is just much, much more difficult. I think a lot of sponsors feel that they can create their own events, uh, which they were their brand, and then they feel that there's other ways in which they can increase their exposure rather than um, funding uh, or, or partnering on a, on a festival. So I get it. It's, it's, it, it, w- one of the things I've, I've always found um, is that I, I'm very interested in what the audience wants and hoping that the idea that I have has or have um, connects with an audience and and so that to me is the most interesting thing uh, and with all the festivals whether it's Kilconomics subtitle or Cat Laughs um, that's my primary interest and I think what can happen is if you get too far down the road with a sponsor or even a state funder and increasingly so with state state funding is that where it used to be the case where state funding would come with we like what you're doing here's money to support it they're increasingly becoming more prescriptive with what you do with the money almost like they are kind of dictating the sort of festival they want you to do for them and uh, you would see that a lot most recently in Fulcher which is a kind of a disastrous organization in my opinion I mean full of good people there working hard but like they put money into a Puka festival recently which was an absolute disaster um, because they can't run festivals they don't they shouldn't and in a way a lot of bodies should become less prescriptive, uh, prescriptive and just kind of fund the really interesting ideas and the creativity that's out there already from individuals I, I think it's difficult if you're a new entrant into the field and you're creative and you want to set up an event because if you're pushed into the idea that you've got to get funding to get it off the ground the kind of level of bureaucracy that you're going to be um, faced with is genuinely pretty off-putting um, and I, I look I think if you take even Fulci again their metric is bed nights which is kind of odd because Cat Laughs and Kilconomics would have more bed nights than subtitle but subtitle uh, has 165 invited guests from all across the world who've never been to Kilkenny before. So I would say that those kind of bed nights are possibly more interesting than other bed nights. Mm. But but that wouldn't read, really. So what I've sort of stopped myself from doing is applying. The best thing I ever did was to try and allow my festivals or the festivals that I run or work in um, to not to try and make sense without 
um, state money without... And as businesses, the festivals are kind of unique kind of organisations because in a way they're nomadic. Your entire uh, turnover may be confined to one week a year, but for that time you probably need to be 120% staffed. Like you have, It's very full on when it's full on. And then other times, so it's a constant challenge and a constant change with bringing new people in, new people out. Talk to me a bit about the kind of organisations you've put together. Yeah, well I think continuity and freshness are, are sort of competing concepts in a way and they're the ones that you have to get right so for me when I look around a lot of uh, organizations I see the same artistic directors or directors in place for many many years and I don't think that's healthy I think in Ireland we're not great at passing the baton on um, it's kind of like a load of 100 meter sprints rather than relays uh, so for me what keeps cat laughs fresh is the idea that uh, a new artistic director comes along every three four years or a team of artistic directors comes along but then you still have the same technical manager you still have the same set of volunteer coordinators managers and so that does provide you with the kind of continuity you need because obviously there is institutional memory that comes with that which is so important when you're running a festival um keep people interested motivated volunteers because they come and go um so you're right you know during the year i mean what's kind of interesting is you build up your your stack of um your stash of awareness you you have to work all the year round to make sure you see all the best comedians wherever they might be or you you see the best films wherever they might be and then for one confined three four days or week it's full on um and that's the nature of the intensity of a festival uh, yeah a couple of years ago i think it was you were given an award by kilkenny chamber of commerce uh, for your contribution uh, through the various festivals and organizations you spoke very insightfully if i may say at, at that in your acceptance um speech about what kind of place kilkenny is to to operate in how are you feeling about it now i, I think i'm probably feeling the same way i kind of I've, I've always said about kilkenny it's sort of culturally neutral um if, if i tried to do these festivals in galway cork or dublin there would be so much politics around it I, I don't know whether they'd ever get off the ground whereas in Kilkenny the attitude is a sort of indifference at some level and there's obviously people who are really passionately behind the festivals and support them uh, really enthusiastically um, but generally the, the I've always found here it's just like well we're not going to get in your way um, you're welcome and not sure if the idea is going to work either but you can use the space that's a lot for me that's all I need really uh, to get the, 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 the festivals off the ground and then they find their own rhythm and routine um, yeah, I was talking at the time, I suppose, just about my, my uh, no surprise really, one of the people I massively look up to is Brian Cody. And the reason for that is the way in which he's able to remove entitlement, disentangle entitlement from self-confidence. And if you can do that, that's when you get really f fantastic energy and focus and commitment. But what can come with overconfidence is that sense of entitlement. And that gives rise to things becoming very stale. Um, so that's something I, I really look up to him uh, for and have got a lot of inspiration I mean I don't know I've never met him really but um, that's the kind of impression I get from him modesty with really hard work uh, and actually doing things for myself so I don't ever go, wake up in the morning and think look what I've done I, I should be treated like I've done this great thing I never think like that I just think how can I make this thing better next year or tomorrow or the next day or the next week or the next month that's always been my MO and I suppose I don't, I don't see that changing for me I do it for me and I do it I know it has value definitely what I do I'm not stupid 
but I do the festivals because I really like them and I'm proud of them but I do them because I, I really love them but I don't do them for any kind of tangential or or or, or other reasons or or to 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 to, to kind of to, to make a statement about myself I've never really thought that way looking back over your career in festivals today if you could give advice to your young self when you were starting off in 1993 or whatever it was with the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival if you knew then what you know now what would you say to yourself all those years ago well it's really interesting because the first festival which is the Cat Laughs I sort of did out of a sort of an innocence really because I wanted to do something that was linked to theatre um, which stand up comedy is it's the idea of expressing yourself uh, directly to an audience because I was running Bickerstaff at the time with Lynn Cowell um, so the, the idea of a stand up comedy festival was very appealing then um, and then a m- number of years later the Kilconomics came out of sort of uh, uh, anger um, because of what was happening and I, nobody seemed sure and we weren't being told the truth by our politicians and then subtitle is two years after that it's come out of love so it's gone from sort of innocence to anger to love um, or innocence maybe to hate to love um, probably more accurately but I, I don't think I'd do anything differently I mean what I would say to young people who are interested in, in creating things don't be put off by the economic aspect of it don't worry about the money thing I mean I, I, like we use Festival 2 to pay off Festival 1 uh, in Cat Laughs and it was chaotic and for a number of years I paid absolutely every single bill it might have taken me one, two, three years to do it but I never felt I was putting anybody in jeopardy. I never felt anybody would be coming or going out of business because of anything I did. So I just put my head down. I just felt strongly about the idea. I think part of it is go for it. You'd be amazed at what you can do for very little money. But you've got to be prepared to do two things when you run your first event. To look back on it and see what you want to change, if you want to change anything. And then also be prepared to step back and say, it's not working. My idea hasn't worked. And I've definitely learned that. There are things and there are ideas that you have and you try them they don't work and it's it's often very difficult to admit to yourself that your idea isn't as good as you thought it was and 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 I suppose that's why there's probably been a very big gap between Cat Laughs and the, the latter two festivals I was really thinking a lot about what I wanted to do so I spent an awful long time kind of circling the mountain before beginning to climb it and one of the things that I'm really happy about both Kilconomics and Subtitle is that the the formats of them are very solid they're very robust and and they haven't changed you know so give us an exclusive what's your next festival idea number four <laughs> i really i don't i mean i i, <laughs> I actually i'm really enjoying the festivals of, of you, you know we've got a, an economic model i'm using for subtitle which is working really well is that we we use the commission so uh, i work as an agent that's my full-time job for for actors and comedians and presenters and writers and so the actors that come to Kilkenny for subtitle and we set up all these meetings, the ones that get away and do well, if they want to join our agency, which I run with uh, Steve uh, uh, and Amy uh, Cash and, and Morris Epstein, what they can do is uh, they can join our agency. It's called Subtitle Talent. And we take the 10% commission that we make and we invest it back into the festival. So the festival becomes self-sustaining through the commerce that we conduct in our daily lives. And that's working really, really well. And I'm really proud of it. It's, kind of a, it's a great little uh, economic wheel for us. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.
Richard Cook of Subtitle Film Festival there and also a driving force behind the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival and the Kilconomics Festival of Economics and Comedy. Richard was speaking to me earlier this week about the business of festivals and his career as someone developing and managing these important events. Just time for a reminder before we finish about Careers Kilkenny, the Kilkenny County Council event taking place on December 28th in the Medieval Mile Museum in Kilkenny. The event is designed to showcase the hundreds of high-quality jobs on offer from companies in Kilkenny. 20 of Kilkenny's biggest employers will be there and you can get more information and register for a queue-skipping ticket by checking out careerskilkenny.ie. That's all we've got time for this week. If you'd like to contact the programme, you can email us at the bottom line at kclr96fm.com. Thanks to everyone who contributed to this week's show and to the team at KCLR who helped make it all possible. John Keane on sound editing and Deirdre Drummy who produced. I'm John Purcell, thanking you for listening and hoping you'll join me next week just after nine on the bottom line. Don't forget, if you'd like to listen back to the programme, do check out our podcast available wherever podcasts can be downloaded just search the bottom line kclr do hope you enjoy we've over 20 programs there in a podcast archive until we meet again have a good week and enjoy the weekend kclr's bottom line brought to you with thanks to o'neill foley accountants now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business www.omf.ie